gonna die, clown! And that's what I call high quality a tool. I'm Scuba Sam! Scuba Steve's father! We eat the pig and then together we burn! Well, I have a microphone and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest installment of the Billy Gilmore Show, the pod for the fan of the Sandman. I am your host, Wilson Smith, and joining me as always... Hi, this is Chris Giles. And Austin Cole. And we're so glad you're here with us for this episode. Uh, It's a special episode. They're all special. Uh, It's also a sad episode, and hopefully they're not all sad, but... um, we are here to uh, t- tonight on this special episode of the Billy Gilmore podcast. We are here to celebrate uh, the life of one Norm McDonald, um, Happy Madison uh, family member. Um, yeah, we learned that he died September 14th. We're recording this about a week late, uh, a little over a week later. Um, and of course, if you've been listening to the podcast or if you're in the comedy world at all, uh, if you've seen any of these Sandler movies, uh, you're well aware of Norm. Um, but we decided we wanted to take some time to uh, shout him out. We wanted to talk about how great Norm Macdonald is and 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 give a little give a little context to his life and his his work, his career, um, and talk about what he meant to us individually. Um, so this is gonna be a little different from the uh, previous episodes. Uh, we don't have a guest for this one, although we don't always have a guest. Um, we are not going to be doing any sort of Sandler news. We're not going to have our usual categories. Um, there still will be, uh, more like a, a Sandler wrap up episode to come, uh, in addition to, um, other fun stuff that's coming down the pipeline. Uh, but for now, uh, it's, it's sad, but we, uh, you know, we have an opportunity to remember someone who, um, I mean, gosh, it's it's hard not to. I feel like we'll be falling back on cliches a bunch this episode because that's what happens when someone dies. But uh, you know, it's just like there's no one. I don't know. It's like there was no one like him. There's just no one. It's it's just amazing to. I did a big deep dive today uh, in preparation, watching a bunch of interview clips and 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 podcast appearances and things like that. And um, it, it it was sad, but it was also just like I just had a huge grin on my face the whole time because this guy. There was no one like him, and there will never, there will never be anyone like him again. And so we are here to pay tribute. Yeah. Um, so the news when it came um, was such a blow. Um, it seems that uh, Norm was had been sick for a while and kept it very private. And that was, you know, that was his choice, and I certainly respect it. Um, so, but the news came and was a shock to a lot of people. And I mean, I remember, I think Austin, you sent Wilson and I a text. Um, I was, I was like in a store shopping for apartment stuff, like when when it came, and like I like I literally had to, like just like like put my phone in my pocket and just like quickly like finish my purchase and like just like make a beeline to my car just so I could just sit and just kind of process the news it was quite a shock norm was in his uh 60s is that right early Uh, early 60s early 60s you know and of course none of us knew that he was sick and you know he and he wasn't terribly old so so it's 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 such a shock and i was immediately just texting all day i was texting with several other friends like not just like oh it's sad that this that that's this funny person died but like we but just like 
genuine expressions of shock and grief and, and, you know, not to be glib about the loss, but if there is, you know, if you can take comfort where you can take it, just the fact that like over like the next two to three days was just nonstop, like texting and sharing of favorite clips and, and jokes and just reminiscing about, uh, you know, just all just our favorite norm moments over the past, you know, 20, 30 years. Um, it, like it, it really hit home. Like how much this guy meant to a lot of us, maybe with, like without us even realizing it. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean uh, like for the, for like the rest of that day, when, when it happened, I was uh, listening to um, his stand-up special. Uh, Me doing stand-up is, 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 is what's called from, from 2011 and uh that and actually that has one of his bits that was kind of quickly circulated um on the day of his uh on the day his his death was announced because he has this bit about how you know calling a person afflicted with cancer a courageous battle is you know uh uh like correct like courageous battle like like my uncle has cancer he's sitting there in the hospital with a little thing in his arm and, and he's watching matlock um but but but, but also um you know, like, oh, well, if you die because of cancer, the cancer dies with you. So that's not a loss. That's a draw. So, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and one thing I was thinking a lot about, uh, too, as I was just you know, replaying some of these some of these stand up bits, I, you know, was revisiting movies and his and a sitcom, which all, you know, like all of which we'll, we will we will get into. But like one thing I kind of kept thinking about and trying to sort of work my way through in my thoughts was it's hard to describe norm. Like it's like, it's hard to articulate what makes him special. Like if you were to describe to a friend who had no frame of reference or context for norm, and you're trying to describe say um, his, his, um, um, his like the Bob Saget roast, which, you know, kind of became like a big sort of famous moment of the, the last 10 years. It would be hard to do justice to that um just just like describing it to your friend like you could say like oh well it's at a roast and he intentionally bombed well no that's not quite what he does well he it, it's at a roast and he tells real corny dad jokes yeah kind of but that's not that's still not quite getting what what he was doing there and it, it, it would be hard to describe let's say his his tenure on weekend update at snl but like oh well he was just like a really good wise ass and he told lots of oj jokes yeah those things are true but they don't really get at what made him unique. Um, and I'm still struggling like to figure out how to talk about him in a way that like does justice to him. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the, the roast. That was, I was just listening to the uh, WTF with Mark Marin from like 2011. Yeah, uh, and that was the last bit that I heard them talking about was how he chose to do that over just being these nasty, mean like roasts. Just, just deciding to just kind of like flip it and just go uh, very old school dad corny jokes. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, it's just kind of I feel like his comedy at, at some points is like in ways like mis the misleading direction of it, mm. like that that moth. Uh, skit or that moth <laughs> joke on Conan O'Brien where he's going through this whole story and you're like, okay, and, and, 
and then the punchline comes at the end, but it's like irrelevant to everything you've heard before. Right, and like just like the like the deep, achingly sad, and clearly very well read, like Russian literature bent that he gives to that. Like it's so stupid, and it's such a like wanton like waste of like you know valuable airtime. <laughs> uh, but but uh, but also speaks to just like this piercing intelligence that that he deployed for just the silliest ends. <laughs> There's something so today I was watching um, several like, YouTube compilations and clips and I, I, I watched one thing that sort of combined norms it was a it was a it was a compilation video that combined norms roast roasting of Bob Saget, the infamous roast, it, it had the actual audio. And then there was also like audio and video of like different reactions to it, like like podcasts or like comedians talking about it. And this is like, this video was published like a year and a half ago. This wasn't made uh -huh. because of his passing. Um, but something I just noticed, something I found very interesting was like all the comments, like, you know, there were, the video had been watched like 2 million times and there were all these comments where people were just like, the, the people watching this were like, they were so in awe of, of, like genuinely, they were just like, imagine, I mean, there was a lot of variations of like, imagine the balls it would take <laughs> to do what he did up there. And there were other comments that were just like, he, the reason why he was the best, I saw one comment that was something like, the reason why he was the best comic of all time is because the audience clearly had no power over him. <laughs> um, and I thought that was a really, that was a really like perceptive comment in a way, because there is just this like, I think that in life, one of the thing, because here, okay, so Norm, and we're, we're I know we're doing like unstructured thoughts right now. We'll, 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 we'll get this on a track at some point, but like, I do think like Norm, it's very interesting because he also was not certainly, if you asked me two weeks ago, I feel like if you'd done a survey of people two, three weeks ago about what they think about Norm MacDonald, a lot of people would have been like, eh, or like, what? Like, I don't know. Like there's like a very, like, I'm, it is wonderful to see all the outpouring of, of support and love upon his passing. But I do get the sense that, like, I mean, I don't know. I was there in 2018 watching every episode of his Netflix talk show, and I was reading the reviews of that, which were basically, like, scorched earth negative. Like, <laughs> like this guy, like, like, and he's just, he's not doing anything in that show that he didn't do. Like, it's very much in keeping with his comedy philosophy of, like, seeming to give very little effort or care towards things that, like, make other people break a sweat and like just very like and like I understand why that reads to some people as like not malicious but that reads to some people as like so snotty that it is almost like it's like it's like a weapon towards people but I never got I don't know I never felt that from Norm like like that he how to put this like I don't mean to like I'm not trying to claim him as like a Ted Lasso-esque softy or anything like that no. I just mean like he was like a very like I People, people, he would make people angry with how little he seemed to give a shit. <laughs> and there was something so beautiful about that. Like his, how much of it was in a, affected or not, 
his seeming obliviousness to what other people expected or wanted out of him. And it's, it's a, in this day and age where everyone is acutely hyper aware of what everyone wants from them at all times. And you know how to play to your brand right? market or whatever. There's something that's like, that's why I said there'll never be anyone else like Norm ever again, because it's like, he just, God knows what was, what was going on in that man's brain, but yeah. like, it seems like it all made sense to him. And, you know, and like he would like his, like you you mentioned living in an era of everyone being super focused on their branding and how they're perceived being perceived as like the right kind of person or 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 also too like you like your sense of self is based on so much of like what you're into but also what and who you're not and norm would just tweet about like the golf scores um he 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 would just like live tweet golf and it'd be so inane and boring that it almost felt like a bit where it's just like, no, he was just tweeting about golf and occasionally would occasionally would have like maybe like a small C conservative or like, or like just, or by all accounts, genuinely like sincerely Christian perspective that he'd tweet out. And I think that kind of caused people or some people to, maybe kind of put him in like the lame pile like in their minds uh like every now and again like what like whenever he would come up and i would you know be reading this or that message board or or like a twitter thread people like oh like 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 people would like basically paint him with like a maga brush and i'm like i don't think anyone needs to be putting norm in any boxes um um of any sort of persuasion or stripe uh, because he will knock them down <laughs> yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of people who i saw online pouring out you know sending out like you know messages of how much they loved norm mcdonald who i know because i was alive and very much uh, cognizant during this period of time i was very very aware that a lot of these people were the same people that wanted to now whatever you think about what norm did okay but like when norm said in an interview that like it was hard to imagine what Roseanne and Louis CK were going through like as people who had been canceled just offering like basic human or what used to be basic human like empathy towards these people who are actually his friends it's not just like some hypothetical like people he knows in real life knew in real life personally yeah and I mean like I didn't see if Jimmy Fallon said anything about Norm Macdonald's passing but he should he had best I'm saying it Jimmy Fallon I know you're listening um <laughs> If he, you know, he should be ashamed. He should he should feel ashamed because there was that thing that I, whether or not you remember or not, the whole thing about how he was supposed to be on Jimmy Fallon to promote his Netflix show. Norm mm -hmm. was, and Jimmy Fallon canceled his appearance because, according to Jimmy Fallon, his people, like in his writing staff and in his show, felt unsafe with Norm coming or something. And according to the way Norm told it was like, Jimmy Fallon was like, hey, Norm, like, I don't want to do this, but like people in my office are crying. And Norm was just like, well, I don't want to make anyone upset. Like, I just won't come. Like, I just won't, I won't be on the show. Like, he didn't press it apparently in what I heard, but it's just like, like whatever, like, yeah, people should get a grip at like crying about what he said in that interview. But also like, yeah, I don't know. Like there were a lot of people who like two, that's my point is like, there were a lot of people who like two or three years ago were like, Oh, Norm's washed up or he's like, he's too, like he hasn't kept up with the times enough or he hasn't like done whatever. And like Norm, Norm actually had comments in podcasts that were like in other venues where he was actually like not 
Because now, you now in death, you have these assholes, you have these Steven Crowder type jerks who were saying like, oh, Norm was actually the last free man in comedy. Like he's like, you know, probably like an anti-cancel culture figure. And it's like, no, Norm also gave interviews where he was like, there are things such, there are such things as boundaries in comedy, and like comedy does have to change with the times. Like he wasn't like just a like a troglodyte. He wasn't like a no, yeah. And I mean, like, I, like I, I don't want to go too far down the road because. Norm's political bent or persuasions is the least interesting way to, to like frame him. But um, there, I did see a clip um, uh, or like a little excerpt of a recent interview that he did where he was talking. Like, I, like the subject was jokes about about um, you know marginalized and oppressed people. I think specifically in this case, queer and or, like and or trans people. And and you know. Um, Going back to the '90s, there are any number of you know jokes in uh, Norm's Norm's uh, work that you could describe as you know gay panic. Certainly, um, uh, you're not gonna you know like there's like I'm not gonna sugarcoat that like it is what it is. Um, um, but I think at one point he spoke to like like my jokes are jokes. They're not, like n like nothing is said with maliciousness or that kind of thing. And I don't want to like. Like I'm, I'm super paraphrasing, obviously, but like he, like he basically says, like if people misread those jokes, that's kind of on them for being dumb or like taking, like, hatred for them or taking jokes as an excuse to put hatred out into the world. Having said that, I would just as well not make those jokes if I thought that they were hurting anybody. Like, like, you know, basically not like throwing his self down at the mercy of you know of the of the twitterati but basically saying like yeah no i do think about these things i don't want, i want anyone to ever feel hurt from a joke i made so i won't make those jokes is basically like what he said like like so like clearly a guy who thinks about this shit thinks about people thinks about how how his stuff lands and how it's and how it's you know um uh, uh received by by his fans uh he, he, he's, he's a guy who was a public guy for the better part of 30 years, uh, peaks and valleys to his careers. He, he did, he did, you know, sketch comedy. He, he wrote and, st and acted in sitcoms. He, uh, was obviously a famous, you know, like a well-loved, um, talk show guest. He was an actor and he was a stand up and, and, and like a, and a talk show host, like he did very many modes and, uh, and, and all kinds of like very like like very many modes obviously some more blue than others um and it's it's a wide body of work and a rich body of work and um he most certainly could not be contained into one certain type of box or type of comic which is why which is one of the reasons why he's so great yeah and i, I think that note of him like not wanting to hurt someone he was th that's what he was kind of getting into that uh mark Marin interview was saying that like at the roast they had to be like uh this is the roast of william shatner that they had to like warn people like hey let's not make jokes about william shatner's wife that just died three months ago like let's let's keep that out of this where it's like maybe yeah, yeah, the, the human and people would not make those jokes but it, it's kind of like that whole roast mentality anyways it's kind of like What's the worst burn you can do? Like the man, right. maybe and, like the Anthony Jeselnik type yeah. old comedy. <laughs> and I, 
so there was a um, there was a um, on 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 Conan O'Brien's podcast. Um, he did a recent episode, over, like in the past week, uh, with him and Andy Richter and um, a third co-host. Um, and just you know, obviously, they all knew Norm for a long time, and some of Norm's best talk show appearances were on Conan. You know, and like they go back, you know, a long ways to the SNL. Um, so you know that that is a that is a lovely thing to listen to if you feel so inclined. Uh, just um, thinking of Norm and reminiscing. Um, and I believe on that episode they talk about again the Bob Saget thing, and and apparently like their notes to Norm in the lead up to his segment on the roast was to like, oh well, you and Bob go back a long ways, like like our buddies, and you know, really go for it, Norm, like really tear into him, like go all out, like have fun with it. And and his was like, and his reaction to that was like, well, you're not going to tell me what <laughs> I'm going to do. So so he went the opposite direction. Apparently was sort of the first like seed in his brain about, about how that roast became what it was. Um, and also too, like, by the way, like that's <laughs> the only thing anyone remembers from that roast. Uh, <laughs> of course. Yeah. It, I don't know. I get the sense that he like just genuine, like there was also like that Marin interview where he talks about that roast. It just seems like he like genuinely liked Bob Saget. Like, yes. Like, um, like doesn't like, didn't feel like going up there and like trashing the dude like in a joking way. So he's like, well, I'll do this in it. I'll do this my way. Very much. Like one thing that gets overlooked when people are talking about that particular segment, like they might bring up this or that, you know, joke. Like, like ladies and gentlemen, this man's for the birds. Like, but he, he closes that whole set by just pivoting into, but no, really Bob's a, a like a dear friend of mine. We've worked together for many years he you know was an important person in my career and he's been a great friend on and off the stage and i just want to say like like and like he says something very sincere very kind and there's a bit if i recall like it cuts to bob saget and like he he, he see him he, he's genuinely emotional and grateful and it's like and it's like maybe one of the few like honest sincere moments uh you can see from the past 20 years of these god awful cynical ass roasts uh that are often pretty dire to sit through. Um. <laughs> well, speaking of Bob Saget, we, uh, as of course, we are nominally an Adam Sandler fan podcast. Um, and so our, our entry point into uh, a celebration of Norm um, is, uh, of course, his 1998 uh, classic film, uh, Dirty Work, which was uh, directed by Bob Saget. Um, interestingly enough, I, that was not something I knew until about a decade ago. I'd seen the film, but I did not realize it was Bob Saget. It, it was not ever a point of like advertising, uh, like, and I mean, like, I suppose maybe it would I mean, like, so like, this is Bob Saget, like a few years after the end of Full House, and I guess like America's Funniest Home Videos, like, he's Bob Saget, he was a name, but like, it, like, it wasn't like they made that a part of the advertising material. It was like... <laughs> I, I, I imagine that the paltry amount of people who saw Dirty Work in theaters, <laughs> I imagine it was like anyone who happened to like like have their eyes open when the credits rolled were like, wait, what? It can't be that Bob Sag. Um, but uh, well, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about Dirty Work. That's our main focus for this episode. But first, I'll, I'll give a little, I'll give a little bit of... Um, Norm Macdonald's backstory, just in case those of you out there are not familiar. Um, McDonald, Norm Macdonald was, he was from Canada. Uh, he was born and raised in Quebec City. Um, 
He got into uh, comedy, like stand-up clubs in Ottawa. Um, he appeared at something called Yuck Yuck, so I guess that's a club. Um, and uh, he was called by the Montreal Gazette, one of the country's hottest comics in 1986. Um, and so he, was real make, he made a name for himself up in Canada there for a while. He was on Star Search, um, and he got hired uh, to be a writer. And this, is, this actually ended up being the basis of a lot of his professional relationships going forward. He was hired as a writer on Roseanne uh, for 1992-1993, that season of Roseanne. Um, but he left, he quit, so that he could go join Saturday Night Live um, in 93, uh, where, of course, I mean, that's how he ends up being good buddies with Adam Sandler. And, you know, if you listen to our episodes, you know, like Norm has showed up, like most notably in Billy Madison, Sandler's first big one. But like Norm has really, um, you know, he's he's done a lot of I, I've, I always wanted him to play something a little bit more substantial. But like, you know, he's got a lot of really good bit parts. Like he's funny as the, the guy who takes Jill out on a date in Jack and Jill. <laughs> He's in Grown Ups. Uh, he's 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 playing himself, but he's very funny in his one bit in Funny People, which plays differently now because he's talking to a guy who just escaped death, and he's sort of making morbid jokes about death. Um, but uh, yeah, he was so he he joined Saturday Night Live. That's where he gets hooked up with you know Farley Spade, you know all those guys. Um, you know he's famous on Saturday Night Live. He does. Uh, <laughs> He did uh, in Celebrity Jeopardy the Burt Reynolds impression, which was phenomenal. And of course, he did Weekend Update, uh, which was uh, you know the news the news commentary program on Saturday Night Live, currently hosted by Colin Jost and uh, Michael Che. Um, and it started off. Uh, he took Chevy Chase's. I mean, not not immediately after Chevy Chase. There were other people in between. But um, I guess did he replace Kevin Nealon? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. There's there's an episode of that David Spade show that has Kevin Nealon, Dennis Miller, uh, Norm Macdonald, and David Spade, which is kind of a cool reunion of That's the four. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and so uh, Norm Norm really made a name for himself on Saturday Night Live on a Weekend Update, and um, he made such a name for himself by uh, saying like completely like. To be quite honest, there are things that he like looking back and watching old ver like old compilations and clips of his weekend update. There's stuff that he says on there. I don't. I really. I, I, I hate because of the kind of people this is associated with. I really hate be like saying anything in the vein of you couldn't get away with that today. But let, just in terms of celebrity litigation, you could not get through what he said about say Michael Jackson or definitely OJ Simpson. I mean, there's literally like. 12 minute compilations of him just shitting on OJ Simpson. Yeah. Um, on there's, 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 I remember a, like a particular, like, like punchline that, that says, that says with me. And it's, it was when Michael Jackson was married to, um, was it Lisa Marie Presley? Is that right? Yes. <laughs> and, and like, oh, well, like, oh, well, it, like, it seems like there's trouble in the marriage between Michael Jackson and Lisa Marie. See, she, like, see, she's more of a, of, of an indoor type, and he's more of a homosexual pedophile. And he said, you know, out loud on, you know, Saturday Night Live in like 1994 or whenever it was. And you can sort of like, or like hear the audience like groan and like kind of <laughs> boo and hiss. And then he looks at them and he's like, what? He's a homosexual pedophile. Like he, 
this is like again, this is early to mid nineties. This would be what fifteen years before like that HBO doc finally like made people like be like okay, yeah. like, <laughs> like 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 like. <laughs> so he he got, and we'll get to what happened to his career or the the supposedly what happened to his career because of this. But he of course had a lot of things to say about OJ Simpson, mainly that OJ Simpson was guilty as hell of killing his wife. Um, and, uh, and Ron Goldman and, uh, again, you just go to YouTube and type in Norm Macdonald, OJ Simpson, you'll, you'll, you'll find, you know, dozens of minutes of delight, but there's also a clip that I found in like 2011 or something, or maybe sometime like in the past, like 15 years of Norm Macdonald hosting the ESPYs. <laughs> Where, I have not seen I have not seen this one yet, but I keep hearing about it. Well, he says to I don't know who this the, the it's some some sports star who he says you know like wow first <laughs> he goes he goes wow you know everyone knows so he's like doing crowd but he's like everyone you know like give a round of applause for so and so they're here tonight and you know the camera shows the angle on this pl- this football player and he goes you know. First man in history to win the Heisman for being a defensive player. And it's incredible. No one can take that away from you. And then there's a beat. And he goes, unless, of course, you kill your wife and a waiter. (laughs) (laughs) They cut back. They cut back to this man and his entire, like, squad. (laughs) And they, the, the man himself, is like like holding his like he's like fingers on like the bridge of his nose like in his eyes sort of like slumped over in his seat and everyone in his his like his friends who are with him they're all like either like looking for the exits or they're just, <laughs> or they're just like staring stone-faced at norm mcdonald and it's just like my god man the the balls i I'm, it, i love it it makes me laugh so hard he had he had certain tics as a comic, not mo- motifs yeah. as a comic that he that he you know wielded like like you know like a, like a paintbrush and like all this OJ stuff is one of them, but just quite simply the word whore, <laughs> the 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 five letter word whore, he. <laughs> Like throughout his career, he like he made symphonies out of that word in all the different contexts. And we're talking SNL, stand up, uh, movies, um, his, um, his his three season lasting you know sitcom Norm or the Norm Show on ABC, um, a, a notable moment in like the literal pilot episode where he calls. What will what what will soon be one of the series regulars? Like, look, you're a huge whore. Like, and and it's and and it's become like an occasional thing that Wilson and I will text to each other just whenever we need to pick me up. Um, he was a maestro with that word, and and you see him, you know, on those on those early weekend update bits, and I think one like like one of his famous bits was like, oh, it turns out like like the number one least like least desired job is is uh is a maintenance worker and that has been upsurfed by the new number one least desired drop crack whore 
<laughs> it's like, yeah, him saying whore was like Samuel Jackson saying motherfucker. It was just right. poetry. It was just like a, this beautiful thing. Um, so Norm Norm flew a little bit too close to the sun, unfortunately, uh, and was fired from Saturday Night Live on the orders of Don Olmeyer, uh, a, an NBC executive who was good friends with uh, the juice and uh, was real upset about mean people saying accurately that he had murdered his wife and Ron Goldman, the waiter. Um, and uh, Norm, so if you go look this up, Don Olmeyer said, yeah, I made the choice to fire, but it wasn't because I'm best friends with O.J. Simpson, um, who we must iterate again is a murderer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, no, we hope you hear us, Norm. Now, um, <laughs> He uh, he he said it wasn't because of that. It was because apparently some some chart that he was showing with viewer metrics was showing that people tuned out of Saturday Night Live during um, during his weekend update segments. Um, and this all this a lot of this came to a head because um, and this will be we can talk about the second we can talk about the post segment life years more you know we can kind of go through this chronologically but we're about to hit our big topic um this all came to a head in a very interesting way even after norm was fired because norm he, he gets fired from snl and he goes off to make uh the film we're about to discuss dirty work and uh don olmeyer gives the directive allegedly at, at NBC that no advertisements for dirty work are going to be played on the air. And he copped to this. Don Omar did. He said, well, why should we give like airtime to, why should we give airtime to somebody who like is bad mouthing Saturday Night Live, which Norm took really, he took a lot of issue with because he said, he's like, I've never said anything bad about the show. I know, he, he did later, but he's like, I've never said anything bad about the show. I've never said anything about, bad about Lorne. Like, they've been very supportive of me. They've, like, been huge for my career. So, like, I just said things about, you know, O.J. Simpson and Don Olmeyer. Um, and so that was and so that was in the lead-up to, to Dirty Work, which uh, I believe we should just we should discuss now. Um, Dirty Work, as we mentioned, came out in 1998. Um, so it was Noah McDonald, Artie Lang, uh, Christopher McDonald, um, no relation. Um, and, uh, trailer Howard, is that her name? The, the trailer name? Howard. I think she had like, like a minute there where she was kind of like a fresh face. I think she, she was on that sitcom, that early sitcom with Ryan Reynolds called like two guys, a girl in a pizza place. Yes. Which uh, I remember is a joke from the clerk's animated series. Right. Right. So like, I, 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 I think basically like this was, this was her. I don't know, doing a favor for the studio or vice versa. I, I don't know. Like, uh, but like she's, 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 she seems cute and like and nice in the movie, but she's, you know, kind of just like taking one on the chin as far she, as. <laughs> she's very much the Courtney Thorne Smith to Donald's carrot top, shall we say. Very much so. Very much so. But I hope she had a nice time making it. Um, um, yeah. This so movie had a budget of 13 million. It grossed 10 million at the box office. This was not a hit. No, it was not. Um, apparently, uh, according to uh, various interviews I found with Chevy Chase and Artie Lang, apparently the original script was quite explicitly R-rated. Um, according to Chevy Chase, that's why he signed on, because he liked the script and it was very raunchy. 
Um, and they decided to, the studio, of course, decided to cut down, make it PG-13. Um, and according to Artie Lang, the film was supposed to come out in February of 1998. And then for some reason, now, normally I would say this would be confidence on the part of a studio, but obviously, you know, maybe everyone's just being a Monday morning quarterback, but obviously it didn't work for Dirty Work, but like they moved it to May of 1998, specifically the movie that it opened against was Roland Emmerich's Godzilla, which is a total piece of shit, like an awful, awful, nearly unwatchable movie, but of course it crushed Dirty Work. Like, of uh-huh. course, like poor, like God, what a, man, what a Sophie's choice. Uh, if I, if I had been cognizant of that uh, in that weekend in 1998, it's like, you know, go see my, my, my best pal Godzilla or Norm MacDonald. Well, um, Norm, Godzilla. Norm and Farley and Bob Saget and Trailer Howard and everyone else can take up you know, not a lot of people saw Dirty Work in 98. Not many people are watching it today. But the people who are watching it today fucking love it. It's it's the Velvet Underground of stupid 90s, uh, <laughs> like, centered around, like, a funny man, like, star vehicle comedies. Very yeah. much. Like, like, no one has shit to say about the rumor of Godzilla. But, like, like, like Dirty Work is a beloved movie. Um, um, I... I can't go. I think it was literally the first movie I chose to put on at my first shift at Vulcan Video with our with our dear friend Brian Connolly. Um, he was training me on my first day. We were just talking about the store and you know just different you know routines and procedures, but also talking about movies, of course. And I've quickly learned that he was a big Happy Gilmore guy, and not just the old stuff, but like all of it. Which I which you know, of course, it's, it's Brian. He's you know incredibly smart and kind and very lovable person and was just immediately like that immediately set me at ease. Um, just because, you know, it, it was Vulcan video. It's this Austin institution. I felt like just, you know, just kind of like, like a small fry and like, Oh, are my, are my movie tastes too basic for this place? Like I bet they're into all kinds of cool, obscure shit. And Brian's there. No fucking, I, I, I love happy Gilmore. I love dirty work. Hell yeah. Let's put it on. And it was a great way just to kind of get my feet wet. And I, did not see Dirty Work in theaters um, in 1998, um, like most of the rest of the world. Um, but I remember renting it at Blockbuster with my dad one random weekend. I don't think at the time I even really knew who Norm MacDonald was. Um, I had seen for Dirty Work and probably saw like Chris Farley in it, and I knew he was. And I'm sure by that point I knew Sandler, Billy Madison. Which means that I saw Norm in Billy Madison, but I probably wouldn't have like known him as Norm. It was like, oh, that like that funny lanky guy who's Billy's friend. Like I didn't really start clicking the pieces together until I saw Dirty Work. But I remember still, it's a fairly clear memory. Just you know, taking it home, not knowing much about it. Like oh, like I saw a trailer for it. Like it looks kind of funny, and we were. Whole, like grasping our sides, <laughs> laughing so fucking hard at this movie. Like just five minutes in, just like 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 even just like like the first like childhood montage of them planting the guns in the Foley's desk. We were beside ourselves, and it made me laugh like that. Then I eventually went back to Blockbuster and you know and bought like the previously viewed VHS tape for like nine ninety nine, <laughs> and wore that thing out. Uh, you know showed it to friends over the years. I always would just rewatch it and rewatch. I watched it, you know, at Vulcan a whole lot. 
Um, I rewatched it for this podcast last night. That was probably probably the twentieth time I've seen it, or thereabouts. That like like I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that. Like it's an eighty minute movie. It's it like it it, it you know it it goes down pretty pretty smooth and easily. But it's just like it's it's been one of those sort of all timer constant sort of just quick shot of endorphin sort of movie in my life. And, you know, I loved it when I was 11 because when you're 11, this movie's funny as hell. And I love it now, but, and, you know, like, like Billy Madison would be compared, like comparable to this too. Like, like, like you love those movies when you're 11 because they're funny as hell. And then you love them when you're 33 because funny as hell. And now you have a better concept for how insane they are. And like the fact that he, like that like like even in this like you know probably heavily cut, forced to be PG thirteen, somewhat compromised version. Apparently, this movie is still insane, ballsy, and brilliant. And it's just like okay, yeah, sure, it was a flop, but the fact that it got into theaters at all seems like a miracle. Yeah, I I, I remember picking it up at like Hastings or something on VHS, just being a fan of Norm Macdonald, and I think maybe. Probably not knowing at that point, you probably had no idea that Adam Sandler was going to be in it. Yeah, because uh, there's what what is there out there to be like? There's a cameo by Adam Sandler. Exactly. So I, I remember just like this was on rotation with Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore of just like the VHS t- tapes that I had that I just watched over and over mm-hmm. and over again. And I think in addition to being just kind of like just silly fun as a kid, it's also kind of this. The, the the revenge factor just being like oh yeah people that are like shitty to you you can take care of them by hiring out this dirty work was <laughs> a pretty i mean there's a pretty novel concept because i was just like oh you can you can screw with people that you don't like well, i like that well you're right austin uh, to praise the brilliance of the concept but we can't give credit to norm mcdonald for that entirely we actually <laughs> have to give credit to the original author that's right Roll Doll. Because <laughs> Roll Doll, I, I swear to God, I thought this was a joke when someone mentioned this on Twitter last week, but it is very much true. Roll Doll wrote a short story called, I believe, Vengeance is Mine Incorporated. Um, and you, I, I'll be honest, you read that, you read, I only read the Wikipedia summary of the story, but the broad outlines. It's not that different from Dirty Work. I don't believe this is a credit, like on, like, like, like this isn't, um, you know, like, it, like it, there's no inspired by the short story by by Roald Dahl credit um, on the movie, unless I've overlooked it over over all these years. It's possible that I have, but I don't think like or like maybe the story was in the public domain at the time, and so they were able just to kind of get away with it, but. I never knew that bit of trivia until yesterday. <laughs> it's 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 so nuts. Um, and something that's really something that's really wonderful about this movie is that I, I, I mean this I mean this very in a very sincere way, not in like an ironic or smug way. There's there's something about dirty work that's really pure because. It's like, you know, you have all these, like, it's a very, it's a very recognizable type of 90s comedy. Um, obviously, it's like a Saturday Night Live alum, sort of making a play for uh, mainstream respectability or movie stardom or what have you. But what's so incredible in retrospect, again, like with Norm's whole thing in general, 
I understand why some people read this as like hostile, but it's so un like like blatantly in your face, unconcerned with sort of like oh, I guess what I'm trying to say is like the 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 beats that the emotional beats that your generic normal studio movie hits as far as like the notes you get from a studio. It's like oh well, like the person there needs to be a love interest. There needs to be this sort of at rising action. There needs to be this. There needs to be that. Dirty Work treats that with something approaching contempt. Um, it's and the movie isn't. I don't know. Like I don't mean to make it sound like it's like it, you know it's a hateful experience because I don't get that at all. It's just when the movie literally ends with Norm Macdonald saying, "Okay, that's it. Bye." Like, oh, that's it. Bye. So literally, it's just like, okay, no, the movie's over. Stop watching. <laughs> so. One of the best like examples of this of like the movie just being so just like blase about giving a shit about kind of like typical story beats. And again, this is one of those things where it's it's sort of hard to describe, um, or it it would be hard to describe to someone who hasn't seen it or like. Uh, but but you know it's like in the first like third of the movie. Uh, Jack Warden as Pops, um, uh, you know, has had his heart attack, and he, you know, he he he's in dire straits. He's in the hospital recovering, and Norm and Artie Lang, his uh, his best friend, um, half brother, are you know there trying to figure out what's going on. And so Chevy Chase is in this movie as Doctor Farthing, who can you know who eventually tells them that he can, you know, like if they can you know give him a whole bunch of money to help him pay off his bookies and settle his gambling debts. He can uh, help pops get a heart transplant. But Chevy Chase's introduction, like, you know, like, like you think, you know, Chevy being Chevy and this being sort of like, you know, like a SNL, you know, adjacent movie that there'd be some sort of like buildup or whatever to Chevy's reveal. It's just him literally walking into frame making no effort to be anything other than Chevy Chase. Like, hello, I'm Dr. Farting. Like, just like, it's, <laughs> I can't like, just, just to describe it doesn't really do it justice, but it's one of the biggest laughs I have in a movie of just him walking up be like, hello, I'm Dr. Farting. Later on, there's a bit where they're at the opera house and John Goodman is like the mayor or like the governor getting an introduction. Um, and it's just like, oh, hi, thank you so much, Travis Cole for this beautiful opera. And he gives a little shit, like shitting, shit eating, John Goodman Grant and then walks off like they're like it's like, no, no setup, no setup, no payoff. <laughs> no setup, no payoff. So it's just like a who's who of like Norm and Bob calling in like, a quick little walk on. It's like, yeah, sure, why not? And that's good enough. I'm just like here, boy, uh, um, kind of a thing. Um, having said that, um, like, and you know, may maybe I will roll your eyes at this. And again, I have to stress like how many times I've seen this movie going back to when I was, you know, 11, I, uh, maybe I've just spent too much time with it, but like some of the beats, you know, like insofar as like this 80 minute movie with like dead hooker jokes and stuff, like the beats with Norman Artie and Jack Warden, I think approach something close to like sweet sincerity or like, or, or like, or at least like sweetness that are made all the more, hilarious when they're deflated with like pop showing mitch a picture of him head from his mom or whatever like <laughs> the chevy the chevy chase of it all is, is interesting not just because of um the the pat the weekend update of it all but uh the fact that chevy's character is playing a degenerate gambler 
which Norm, by his own admission, in real life, was something of a degenerate sports gambler. Yeah, um, did y'all ever watch the, he would do those celebrity poker nights. Yep. With he the would those, and um, his character, um, like his his sitcom version of himself, um, it, like on a, on, a, on a sitcom, is like uh, like a former hockey player who's now doing social service, community service because of like tax fraud and gambling, and his gambling issues has become sort of like a jokey through line throughout the series. So like, yeah, clearly it was a thing. I believe on that Marin episode, he talks about how either like twice during the course of his career, he basically gambled away his fortune. Like, yeah. Artie Lang talked about, um, in a, in a, an episode of some, I can't remember what he did, but what episode it was, but he, he mentions like this thing, uh, oh, God, what was it called? Where basically like he was talking about, he and Norm used to do this thing where they would do like the over, the over under on a game mm-hmm. where they, it was like lightning something. Where like basically, like if you took if the if the over was 180 and you you won if you bet over like 180, every basket made above 180 combined points was a thousand dollars. And so every time, I mean, it's like some real uncut gems shit. Where it's like, oh, that's like suicidally destructive betting. <laughs> I like to think that Chevy Chase's character here is an extension of his Vegas vacation character <laughs> like like he couldn't get out of the debt that he was in vegas he had like accumulated in vegas and then somehow became he came back and he was a doctor roy uh, uh, clark result a doctor and now <laughs> and i will this. say this too um about chevy in this movie like pretty much like i mean like you know of course there are a few exceptions um but like pretty much chevy post 1995 let's say i like like like, you know, like there's a certain point in his career that anything past that, it's just kind of a bummer, I think, to watch him. He's clearly not in taking much joy in it. Like even Community, which, you know, is a great show and he's very good on it. Like his character is oftentimes so contemptible. Yeah. And there's obviously like so much like kind of we know so much sort of, you know, uh, difficult stuff going on behind the scenes there that that kind of like puts sort of a sour spin on it. Like so like I love Community, but I don't really like watching him on it that much it's like it's kind of like sort of uncomfortable in a way so there's a like there's a lot of late like like back half of his career stuff that like just kind of feels either either like a bummer or just kind of like sweaty and desperate that all aside i think he's very funny in this movie like um it's like like it's like maybe just like like just like a little bit of him goes a long way but like as just sort of like this this very nonchalant guy about his impending death <laughs> I, think he, I think he i think he like tries i mean not yeah. like i mean he never he never really came off as a guy who exactly was breaking a sweat like you know but he definitely like i don't know he seems to like tr- be trying to be funny and like not trying to tank the project to like or have this weird contempt i don't know um the nice thing about dirty work is that it's very very easy to summarize like it's just, i mean it's very like it's just a very straightforward simple it's just like okay like this these two guys who are like best friends from childhood uh Nor- mitch weaver norman yeah. is mitch weaver and uh Artie is sam sam mckenna sam mckenna that's right um and they're friends and you know and like norm's narrating the flashback and he's talking about like 
uh, he's showing us all these like incidents where he like got revenge on people. Like, I don't know, he puts like popcorn in this like meter maids, uh, uh, like in her engine, and it, like it all blow, it all pops all around her. Um, oh, the, oh, here's a here's one you wouldn't you really wouldn't have in a movie these days. The crossing guard. The crossing uh, guard. <laughs> and that's like in a way, maybe that's like a perfect encapsulation in a way of Norm's humor. If you want to like analyze it, so these two jokes coming back to back, you have. Like, oh, well, like, there was this meter maid, and she thought that she had the right to go around giving everyone parking tickets. So that's where the popcorn came in handy. And then, like, you see her driving, and then her pop, her car just kind of, like, explodes with popcorn. That is such, like, a 1935, like, our gang sort of, like, side gag. And it comes side by side with, like, well, and then there was this uh, parking guard who always, tried to, who always tried to grab the kids' asses. And, you know, back then, people, people weren't really on, on, the, uh, on the lookout for that kind of thing. So that's where the super good claim in handy. And it's like little tingling, little Mitch. Like, hey, everyone, crossing guard got his, got his hands on an eight-year-old's ass over here. Like, it's a pretty, like, gross bit. You know, it's pretty yeah. dark and so casual. And with, like, the same kind of, like, like you know, confident cheerfulness as the popcorn gag. Like, that sort of like old timey, like Norm, like Norm was was Canadian, but like that, but like that, that kind of Canadian or like or like Midwestern wholesomeness combined with that clearly very like dark and kind of uh, just sort of twisted bent. Um, they really existed side by side with him. Um, sometimes like in like the same joke or 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 sentence, and it it. It was a very unique combination <laughs> and would come out in very unique ways. Yeah. I mean, so, so then like, okay. So, so then like, I don't know, he grows up, he is working as like a pizza delivery driver. His girlfriend breaks up with him um, because he's had 14 jobs in three months. Um, yeah. And he's, supposed to be he's 32. He's 32. Like, and you know, and of course, like, like the whole big thing is that like, Oh, you guys have two weeks to to to, to get the doctor fifty thousand dollars, and in those two weeks, they're able to take out a loan and like buy like and and like and, and like rent business property and like and like move into the place. This movie's relationship with time is clearly very uh very very yeah, loose. It's very it's very uh, yeah, especially towards the end. I'm like, wait, how long is any of this taking them to do? Um, yeah, so. It's like, like okay. it's like Norm, you know, kind of looked to Billy Madison and how like just sort of gleefully, sort of full of shit the, the plot. Like, okay, Billy, you're gonna go back to grade school, kindergarten through twelfth grade, two weeks for each grade. If you pass them, then you get Daddy's fortune. Okay, Dad, and like that's the plot. It's absurd. It's like yeah. it's almost insultingly absurd, and it's like Norm sort of saw that model. It's like. Okay, um, so we're gonna have two weeks to raise fifty thousand dollars to get pops a heart transplant. Like it's it's so gleefully dumb and just doesn't have like a smirk. <laughs> I forgot about the part where yeah, the part uh, in the when he's in the in the flashbacks where he they take the picture of the babysitter on the toilet and he's just <laughs> all like that. That picture still makes me horny. I mean, wistful. It makes me it makes wistful. wistful. <laughs> um yeah that's his, some of the narration is really good um so yeah his girlfriend kicks him out she throws like uh you know even though he proposes having dirty sex with her she's just like no <laughs> get out of here you can't keep a job um <laughs> he goes to the bar uh where Artie, his friend Artie lang sam's there uh and so is chris farley uh chris farley and is that is this his last screen appearance 
Yeah, apparently he died six months before they released this. So, okay. I, I I always kind of get the timeline mixed up. So, like, the two last things he did, like, in Almost Heroes. Yeah. Um, I think Dirty Work was the last one that he filmed. But Dirty Work was technically released somewhat before Almost Heroes. Like, 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 like Almost Heroes was... Um, like on the shelf for a little while, and then I think maybe it was released posthumously. Um, I get kind of the, the the time I mixed up there, but and you know, and like Chris does not look great in this movie. Like you, like you know, he. If you were, yeah, it he 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 doesn't look well, um, which is kind of a bummer. Um, like the to use Norm's word, there is sort of a wistfulness actually when you watch the movie now because. You know, two of our great comics uh, are gone, and I know Artie had some tough years there as well. Um, Can't believe but, I outlived Norm. I know it's insane. Having said all that, I don't want to focus on on the negative. Yeah, Chris maybe doesn't look great, and I'm very sorry that he was in a bad place. Having said that, though, he is very very funny in this. He you know has maybe five combined minutes of screen time as Jimmy, the bar friend who got his nose bit off by the Saigon whore. But ooh, he makes them count. It's like the the whole scene where he's like, "I'm gonna put on this fight song, <laughs> G Seven." You guy, just hit G eight. Yeah, and that guy's very familiar too. I I recognize him from something. Yeah, uh, Mazzetti, the the barkeep. Yeah, well, we'll have to see if maybe we do something else. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's um. Chris is great. Uh, <laughs> Farley's great. Like Rolling Stone, street fighting man. <laughs> um, and so yeah, they, they get into they get into a fight, a fight with some frat dudes, and then the uh, and that's that's when that scene happens. Like when they're getting like they're getting beat up by these frat guys. It's playing. He means to play street fighting man. <laughs> and then uh, afterwards, they decide to pay, take revenge on the frat guys. Right, this is how it goes. They have he gets revenge on the frat guys with the. Uh, police uh the fake police call hello real cops <laughs> yeah and, and um like a real quick note so when you're watching dirty work um you know and again like i'll sort of you know um uh, mention it like as of a like of that sort of like gleeful absurd piece of billy madison but like dirty work it feels in some ways like ahead of its time like you know if it were like you could see a movie like this being embraced by or made by like the Lonely Island, like like the the Lonely Island guys who would you know kind of come into their own like within you know 10, 15 years after that, like that like the the like, like I see DNA of Dirty Work and like in 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 Hot Rod for example. Um, so in some ways, Dirty Work feels ahead of its time. Of course, it was a big flop. People didn't wouldn't know what to do with this kind of a movie in 1998. So it feels both ahead of its time or timeless in that sense, but also feels sometimes very painfully 1998 or just like hilariously beautifully 1998. So within like the span of five minutes, um, when like Norm is first like is, is like on his way to get broken up with by his girlfriend, it's um, Semi Charmed Life by Third Eye Blind is playing. Um, later on in the bar, when like you're seeing him and Artie and Chris Farley, um, it's better than Ezra's good is playing on the soundtrack. And then as soon as it cuts over to the frat guys at their frat at the frat at the frat house, it's Chumba Wumba tub thumping playing. It's like like three 
like hits in a row of these of these very like <laughs> like top forty um, you know like late nineties alt rock uh, <laughs> staples like like just like screaming the year in which it was made at you. Number one on the number one on the college charts, better than Ezra. <laughs> and number two, Ezra. Ezra. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, too, Norm's uh, Norm's wardrobe in this movie are like jeans and like unbuttoned flannel shirts with like 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 billowing colored t-shirts. Like it's <laughs> it's beautiful. You know what? He's he it 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 made me it makes me proud. You know what? That's that's. That really called drip. I love it. Yeah, and all of Artie Lang's clothes are just like three sizes too small. <laughs> you know what? Good for him. He looks. He looks good. <laughs> so is that when? So then, yeah, they cut. Anyways, they come up with the, the idea to like start this. So wait, how? She's at the bar. Okay, Trailer Howard is at the bar. He meets this girl who he calls Mildred later on. He's, Mildred. <laughs> Hey, hey Mildred. When, they, when he and Artie Lang are driving by, that's that's actually my bit. The biggest laugh for me in the movie is when he and Artie are driving down the street. And he's just like, "Hey, like we can like moon these people." Movie um, line. He he just drops his pants. He drops his pants as they drive past, and slams on the brake. Like, and just the shot of Norm ducking out of the car, like no concern for Artie, is so fantastic. He was supposed to keep driving. Um, yeah, the bit with Don Rickles in the movie theater. Uh, and, like, and again, like it's so like blatantly like, hey, yeah. So we got Don. Do your thing for five minutes, Don. It's fine, <laughs> baby gorilla. He's absolutely just trashing his employees, just making them feel like absolute dog shit. Uh, it's very <laughs> funny. Um, and he, <laughs> Norman already ruined the. Uh, they decided to prank him, uh, get revenge on him by ruining. Uh, the opening of this this huge opening of their this movie and it's uh, <laughs> the title comes up on screen and what is it? It's Men in Black. Men in Black who like to have sex with each other. That's right, and it fe- yeah it features dialogue like, "Hey, that alien looks like a hot guy. We better have sex with it." <laughs> um, yeah, is, is this a movie premiere? It's like a sold out show. Looks like. So- it's, oh, it's, executives are there? Well, yeah, like it's so, so like so like Don so like it's not like the opening of the theater because all the other people who work there have worked there for a while. Like, oh yeah, this boss sucks. He's so mean. It's like like oh, we have a big night Friday. It's when the corporate executives are are, are visiting and apparently bringing two hundred of their friends and family for just like a generic premiere. Like it doesn't really like I don't think movie like multiplexes ever did that. Like. Sure, a manager of a movie theater had like has superiors, but I don't think they're doing a whole like. <laughs> the only thing I can imagine is like if you were like the head of if you were like the head of AMC, like the president of AMC, and you went to like the flagship AMC in Los Angeles, like for the opening weekend of a big Avengers. Movie, yeah, that would be like okay, like sure, like we got to roll out the red like the red carpet, so to speak, for like the boss man. But and we've also got the. Uh brother of Chris Farley's in this crowd. Oh, he's, is that right? He's one of the uh, one of the theater workers. I oh. think he's maybe one of the guys that's like, yeah, if you screw him over, we'd pay you. 10 bucks. I'll, well, I'll give you 20. So they decided, hey, we can make some money off of this. So, um, you know, like many proud entrepreneurs before then, they form a small business. It's called Dirty Work. Uh, they are like just a re- professional revenge company. 
Yeah. Another great um, crack joke too, because like, Mitch gets, you know, the, like the spark of like, oh yeah, no, like we could actually make a living, and we've always been great at this. Like, like, like we, like we know how to get back at people who are who are being shitty to other people. Like and like, oh Sam, we could do a revenge for hire business. I never heard of that. Well, like you gotta think for every genius business idea, there's gotta be a first. Like the guy who first thought of delivering pizzas to people's doors, or the guy who did crack. <laughs> <laughs> did, did we touch on the uh, the Sandler cameo? It comes before this, right? Oh, yes, that's right. Of course, yeah. Okay, so early, yeah, before that, they do research testing like a new cho- a cho- chocolate with like a new like fat substitute. Yeah, and causes like it potentially causes like itchiness and hallucinations and rashes and rashes. And uh, they're dri- they're riding home after like you know Artie Artie like shoves like a million of them in his mouth, and Norm has like a little <laughs> nibble of one. And Norm's driving back, and Artie's just like, "Oh, I think I feel an itch." No, I guess not. Like, and then Norm, of course, is like breaking out in hives and like sweating like a madman. And then he looks over, and it's uh, Gary Coleman. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they're driving, and it's suddenly it's flames, and they're in hell. And who is who? Who must it be, might it be? But our dear friend Adam Sandler, uh, playing Lucifer, playing like like playing Lucifer as as like as as uh, Canteen Boy, or, or, or really like rather like Cajun Man. <laughs> I, there's something I find this like I think even if I wasn't, I mean this is a dumb thing to say, but like I think even if I wasn't a huge Sandler fan, like in general, like this cameo is very funny to me. Like just the way he's like. I don't know, just think of the devil being like, you belong with me. <laughs> you belong with me. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm instantly like like eight, nine years old again when I see this performance. I'm just like, this is just so stupid. I, I love it. Come with me. <laughs> it took him half an hour to, to like set that up and film. <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, like you kind of wonder where the 13 million went <laughs> with this. Because it looked like it was it was all shot on like on like four square city blocks. Like there's the <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely like on the back lot or whatever. This doesn't look like like much to be like on location. <laughs> um yeah, God God bless them. Like but again, it's like look there is this sort of just like what like the opposite of try hard, like ethos to the whole movie. And I'm not saying that as a negative at all. It's just so it's relaxed to the point of like I don't know, like is this like Attraction. a <laughs> yeah, like, what is this? But um, yes, yeah, so, so they start they start this business, and uh, what's the first? Who's the first customer they get? Um, is it the uh, well, person? Well, so the first thing that they do, I think, is uh, they do the live TV commercial. Yes. Um, at the at, at the car lot where Kathy works. Um, Not Milton. Uh, Mildred, Mildred. <laughs> That's we. I need to do that the the next time I see you, Wilson. Like I'm gonna be in Austin next week, and I like I'm, I'm gonna see you and Caroline. Be like Mildred. Hey, Mildred. <laughs> um. Oh, hi, Mitch. Hi, Mildred. I guess you forgot my name. It's not Mildred. Yeah, I forget. You never told me. I just guessed. Um. <laughs> I, like I love that it's Mildred, and and, and like not, and not like Jane. Like no, one has the name Mildred, and you know, and since 1945, <laughs> that's where. Um, so uh, so Kathy works at this used car lot, and um, and it's David uh, uh, Ke- uh, Ketchner, um, who is the boss, Anton, um, who you know, who, who go on to do the Apatow movies, and you know, Todd Packer on The Office, like early role for him. Um, 
He also later shows up in a bit part on Norm's sitcom. Um, so, you know, like I, I, like I think throughout Norm's work, there's like lots of, you know, sort of in the family overlap. Um, and Kathy's boss is a big dick and he's super mean. And, um, and so Norm or like Mitch sees that and wants, and also knows that they are going to be doing a live TV commercial, which is, I guess is, is, is a thing uh, for, for, for yeah. you like never <laughs> it seems to be a whole cloth invention for the movie but anton phillips used car a lot they're doing a live tv commercial tomorrow and oh we can get back at him and help out kathy and also do a live tv commercial for dirty work and uh mitch's solution to that is to hire a bunch of prostitutes <laughs> all right so that prostitutes that's, that's <laughs> so, my second biggest Second biggest laugh in the movie is that right there. Just like the hard, it's not just his deadpan delivery, but like the the the, the hard cut into the scene where it's just like it's like it cuts right on him being like, "Now settle down, prostitutes." <laughs> it should, it, we, like we, we should also point out that in addition to like Norm's like career long, like just horrors, um, this also carried into the movie by Jack Warden's character, who was like this horny old man who like the movie also goes out of its way to to, to like describe him pops as like just kind of old and impotent at this point in his life but he's obsessed with whores and like every time his sons come in the room he's like hey guys bring on the whore i'd be a lot better if you brought me a whore oh beat it nurse come back when you're abroad like it's <laughs> it's the most shamanist, nasty bullshit but this movie is just so amused by the fact that prostitutes exist <laughs> this whole scene's a very i mean as far as the business goes it's very smart to take advantage of this free commercial time to just find your place in business uh it, I, I applaud the marketing there i think it's That's really so true. well done yeah <laughs> and and jack warden too i mean just talking about him it's just he's he's great that dirty old man i mean just that scene early on where he's like watching like the Jane Fonda style workouts. <laughs> it's just so gross to just be like, I can't do anything, but I'm watching these. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's a real old man thing. It's real. <laughs> and, and like, going back to, I mean, uh, so we know apparently that what was the more of a hard R comedy was retooled to be more of a palatable, for mass audiences, PG thirteen. So the whores in this movie, you know, are all like, are all like you know, pretty young ladies wearing like, like you know, like neon colored like you know nineties and teddies. Like it's all fairly tame, and the whole dead hooker in the trunk gag is fairly tame too. Like it's not like they're covered in like fake blood or whatever. It's just, like, like they're just there lying there, looking like people who are napping. <laughs> um, in the back seat of the cars, but but going back to that whole like sort of wholesome old school type of humor coexisting with Norm's kind of dark bent is the way the dead hooker in the trunk sequence plays out because you know Mitch like interrupts um, the mean boss's car commercial. He's like, "Hey, the trunk looks kind of small there. Uh, the trunk's fine, friend. Let me show you." He opens it up, and then it's like the first shot of one of the hookers playing dead. Of course, Mitch is there, totally taking control and derailing the commercial. Oh, hey, there's a dead hooker in the trunk, and then it cuts to David Ketchner being like, "No, it can't be." He like like he actually says it like that. It can't be like, which is so like, which is such <laughs> a old timey kind of like 
almost like screwball comedy, like sort of delivery, like a comedy from the thirties or forties of, of, of like, of like some like jerk, like dealing with some sort of like unexpected, um, this oh, it can't be like, it, like it's so old fashioned and it's old delivery about a, about a joke that deals with dead hookers and the trunk cars. And that is norm to a T. I love it. <laughs> oh my goodness. I've never seen so many dead hookers in all my life. Like, God, like, God knows I have. like he's, I, Lord knows I have like this, like this has the rhythms of like an of like a of like an old timey radio bit, but it's letters. I I feel like one of the next segments is the Rebecca Romaine's segment where <laughs> yeah the the bearded lady the bearded lady just shaves her that whole scene and yeah just thinking that the best way of ruining her career is shaving her. <laughs> the guy's painting over it just says the lady. It's like, what does it, <laughs> that ruins your business too, right? Like, <laughs> you ever been with a, ch a chick with a beard before? I <laughs> can't say I have their bearded broad. <laughs> um, and maybe the, the, the flagship scene of the movie is um, <laughs> like the drug dealing gangsters living next door to like some like kind of like just, you know, sad sack suburban dad who calls Mitch and Sam in because like these guys next door, they're so rude and they have late parties and they're always driving around where my kids play. It's terrible living next door to this house. Well, we'll make it unbearable to live, to live in this house. And they start hiding all over the place. Again, very old timey slapstick. Yep. <laughs> and uh, then, uh, you know, these sort of like grand theft auto vice city, like hoods. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like like very like like cartoon like sort of like, like sort of gangster like like you know like like leather jackets like greasy types kind of come in mitch and sam hide in the other room you know th like it's it's like the most like like <laughs> just bare bones and like no effort for this to look at any kind like like any sort of menacing thing like these guys come in they have like you know like like silver suitcases you want it check it out you know, like sort of like get, like get, like gives a little a little flop of like this big bag of uh, of powder. Looks good. Looks good. Like it's, it's like like it's like it's a mad TV skit of of, of gangsters. And the sorry, go ahead, Austin. Oh, the the lead guy in that I guess is a uh, musician. The lead musician of Slash Puppet, like a Canadian huh. band of the day. So I'm sure that's a a whole Canadian thing there. With sure. You gotta protect your own. One of them smells the fish and is like, oh, it smells like fish in there. What is that? Some kind of signal you wear in a wire? And <laughs> it, it, it takes no time for them to whip out their guns. And then there's a hard cut to Mitch and Sam in the other room, still holding fish. Um, it's like like if you know, like during the past few days with like norm retrospectives and people, you know, talking about dirty work, like if there's one like sort of still image from the movie that endures it's it's the image of norm and Artie holding out to the fish sort of horrified deer in the headlights stone face and i mean i've never i've never actually counted it but this shot goes on for what maybe 90 seconds i would say that's probably um it's like, yeah it's like it's like a minute and 26 seconds or something it's not yeah yeah of just of like just uh, of like just like this 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 you know stationary shot of the boys being very like like actually still like they like they clearly were going for this and just occasionally blinking but being very very still as you hear this 
just this gross again like i'll use grand theft auto like like as like as a as a point of comparison just like the most over the top disgusting guns firing chainsaws going into people like hand grenades going off say hello the devil for me <laughs> like, like, like just, just the most absurd dialogue of these gangsters just massacring each other um and it is uh just like in my mind an all-timer one of the like 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 play this scene at my funeral, like to just to like, just to like, if like, yeah. if you want to like show people like what I'm about, um, this scene is, is, is just like one, like one of the all time comedy bits, I think of a movie from my lifetime. The ADR in that scene is probably among the funniest things in this movie. It's kind of <laughs> yes. like, is that, is that a grenade launcher or whatever he says? That's yeah. He took like, away my chancel and now he's using it on me. <laughs> it's, it, it is like, it's a total like weird, like nowadays would be recognized as like a weird comedy bit where it's like, like if this was on like a Netflix, like if it was like on like, I think you should leave or yes. like Tim and Eric or something. It's just so, it's so fucking funny. And so just like bizarre in the way it plays against your expectations of how something like this would play out. Um, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Like, um, it's, it's the, yeah, it's probably the high point of the movie. Like, it's like the one scene I would show someone if they were like, should I watch Dirty Work? Um, it's, so, uh, they eventually end up, uh, working with Travis Cole, who's Christopher McDonald, of course, Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore. Um, who's and, even more like oily in this movie. Oh yeah. And he's, uh, he's got them, uh, like destroying this apartment building that he says is his, but he's actually like an unscrupulous, he's a land developer, right? Like, yes. And he's trying and to like save, like expand the opera house or something. Like ultimately he wants to level the building just to like make more parking space. Yes. for the opera. Um, it's also why uh, he wants to like level this old lady's house and they do the popcorn gag on that one too. Um, and fail because of it. And, Maybe one of the other like sort of all timer norm bits um, is, you know, like they're there in prison and, yeah. and again we're getting into they couldn't do this today sort of territory. But Mitch is kind of worried and anxious because they're in prison, you know, nudge yeah. nudge. There's <laughs> and uh, um, and eventually he is taken aside and. You know, it like cuts to a different scene, cuts back, and Mitch is like, "You fellas have a lot of growing up to do. I'll tell you that much. Ridiculous, completely ridiculous. I have a good mind to go to the warden about this." Like, and and um, and uh, uh and so the line in the movie is, "You think you, like you know what hurts the most? It's the lack of respect. That's what hurts the most. Except for the other thing, that hurts the most. But the lack of respect hurts the second most. Apparently, the original line was uh, not the other thing, but literally anal rape, like Norm." Like that was the, the like that 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 was the line was him saying anal rape and actually I watched you know I watched the TVD last night you can see him saying it and it's like a and it's like an overdub of them softening it up a bit um so you know there is a ver you know like there is a desire to be able to see what could have been the original like hard R dirty work. Having said that though, the fact that they kind of had to soften it up in a way, I, I wonder if it. May have like even worked in the movie's favor because you have more of that like that that wholesome sort of uh like softening in tandem with you know with uh allusions to prison rape if not more explicit like descriptions of it dead hookers and 
like the sound effects of gangsters massacring each other, but like no actual like gore effects and everything. Like, like I think maybe them having to work in a smaller box could have actually led to maybe a bit more like create like 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 creative comedy. But I don't know. I'm just I'm thinking out loud on that one. I do want to see. I do want to see the R-rated version, though. If, oh, I, of course. I have the DVD, but I, I did not check out to see if there were any special features. I highly doubt it. Uh, there are. There, like, no. This, this is like, uh, like, a, like an DVD circa the year 2000. So, like, I'm looking at the mini right now. Play, scene selections, theatrical trailer, languages. Oh man, they don't have any like character bios. Unfortunately, not. Um, so I, I, unfortunately, this is a little bit of a like bre- breaking out. Uh, I have to interject here. I made a mistake earlier uh, based on something that I had read. Um, I was incorrect about what Dirty Work opened against when it opened uh, in theaters. When Dirty Work opened, it was the weekend of June. Uh, let's see, June twelfth, and uh, it opened at number nine at the box office, and. Would you like to guess what was number 10 at the box office? Uh, this was June of 1998. Um, Ar- Armageddon? Or 11. Uh, no, it's not Armageddon. Okay. That had not come out yet. Um, oh, gosh, I don't know. June 98. Oh. Okay, I won't take up too much of the time. It was Titanic. <laughs> so Titanic, Titanic was still Titanic in the mix. In, in its 26th week. Wow. And Dirty Work just barely beat it. (laughs) Good for you, Norm. Wow. Continuing on. So they end up, yeah, they they get thrown in jail. They decide to get uh, revenge on uh, Christopher McDonald. uh, Like, With the when they send the homeless guys in, uh, when they're like, that's a pretty funny bit where they're just like, Oh, sorry, we're like, you're looking for the, like the crazy, like, why had like foaming at the mouth homeless people, like, you know, we're the like sad, like, you know, like, like we're dead to the world, uh, yeah, yeah, those the the homeless guys. So, one of them is uh, Jim Downey, Jim Downey, Jim Downey, who we also know as um, the really nice. Uh, Billy Madison, most insanely idiotic thing I've ever heard, guy. Yeah, uh, favorite writer for SNL. Yes. And the second one is Fred Wolf, who helped write this movie. Right. Was also in Little Nicky, and then directed, um, directed uh, the House Bunny. That's oh. right. And also directed Joe Dirt Two. Oh, oh cool. Yeah. And uh, Strange Wilderness. Sins, we're gonna watch that one. Strange Wilderness, by the way, I believe our friend Connolly wants to join us for, if I remember his email right. Oh, uh, wow. He also wrote, he wrote Grown Ups, Grown Ups 2, and um, oh, wow. Joe Dirt, Dickie Roberts, Without a Paddle. So he's definitely embedded in this Sandler he's, he's royalty. He's total royalty. And, and Black Sheep. Wow. That's awesome. Oh yeah, I, I I I I did know that about Black Sheep. I believe um he's talked about the sort of kind of between a rock and a hard place writing process that was uh, the work for that movie. But that's a that's a different episode. Um, but yeah, no, the, and, and again, like it just goes to show the you know like it is like it, it, it is a big family in the Happy Madison you know umbrella. Even though this is not technically a Happy Madison movie, obviously we're dealing with like the same, you know, generation of very tight and friendly comics. 
it's always cool when we 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 see these familiar faces. Um. So, so they uh. So basically, like I don't know what they end up. They is like. Does anything else happen before the opera house? Um. Well, so Mitch and Sam like realize that they are not just best friends, but like half brothers. Um, right. Resolidifies their bond and their you know and 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 their drive to get the money for pops and Mitch apologizes to Kathy for ruining the building. You know, it just kind of, just kind of like some of your standard, uh, you know, sort of, uh, setting up the last act kind of beats, which again are just very tossed off and silly because this is dirty work. Um, but basically Mitch's final, like final big plan is to sabotage Travis Cole's big opera house premiere of Don Giovanni. Um, <laughs> Which they do by like you know using all of like the poison brownies for like uh, for Travis Cole's like security staff and ushers, so like they're all hallucinating and rashed out. Um, Chris Farley's in the mix to release skunks into the audience. <laughs> it's very tight screenplay wise, you know. It's bringing all these elements together in a crescendo. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I. I I don't think you're wrong though. Like, and again, I've seen this movie a lot. I'm probably like, I'm, I'm, I'm too close to it, <laughs> but you know, considering that this is like a tight 80 and, and all that, but like, like I, I'm, I'm, you know, rewatching it last night. And it's like, yes, like this movie has all the like gleeful sort of attitude of just super not giving a shit. And it's there. Like that is, it's baked in, but it takes some skill and writing and editing to make that work. Um, you know, like we've seen, we like we can think of any number of comedies that also sort of are going for kind of like a relaxed, tossed off sort of feel that are twice as long as this thing and feel, and feel twice as long as that. Like, like, like the fact that they're able to accomplish all of these sort of all timer bits and hit these plot beats um and and like what 75 minutes like that's not nothing um like they didn't this movie feels thrown together but it clearly was not so i don't know like comedy fans comedy writers out there like take like take lessons from your tight tight 80 tight 90 comedies because i think like the real the real craft is there or like like instructive kind of craft is there yeah i mean i definitely agree with like how like just like lean and uh, and and like there's no fat on this movie. I mean, depending on your sense of humor, obviously. <laughs> it's just very, very, um, yeah. Like more movies should feel the confidence to just be like, no, we got it. <laughs> like, <laughs> no need to drag this out. And especially because, like, again, like other movies would like it. it it's almost like cynical when like a movie like like not Dirty Work, but movies like Dirty Work, where they like pretend like that, like in a David Spade movie when it's like, oh man, actually I do love that girl. Like, gosh. And like the music gets all sappy and it's like, dude, who cares? Like <laughs> this isn't, this isn't a real concern of this movie. Like we know it just like keep, keep telling jokes. Right. Right. Yeah. And I just think this movie plays that like is very like sort of upfront about being like, look, we know this is supposed to be in this movie, but like, <laughs> and we'll do it, but yeah. then we're going to deflate it with like some off color type of joke. Yeah. So yes. Yeah, so, so, so Mitch is enlisting Chris Farley with the skunks. He is sabotaging the security and usher staff with the, with like the, with the hallucinogen brownies. He brings in his loyal army of prostitutes there to, to help intimidate Travis Cole, uh, basically just like destroying the opera 
and 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 also um, showing Cole the proof that they have of like him conspiring, like you know, to like commit fraud because. Mitch has been, you know, giving these little tape recorder notes to himself is kind of a running joke throughout the movie that we haven't even talked about yet because this movie is chock full of brilliant bits. But basically, they're able to uh, expose Cole, uh, you know, in, uh, for like being a crook and able to get him to toss off a quick check to pay back uh, Doctor Farthing. Who <laughs> I just love, just Chevy Chase, like right there wearing a tux. And like his arms in a cast because his arm and leg are both in cast because progressively throughout this movie, every time you see a new injury, because his book, because his uh, his off-screen bookmakers keep beating the shit out of him. <laughs> well, <laughs> Even I, love though- that, I, love, I love that bit where he's just like, I don't understand why. Like they they shoot they shoot off your toe and they still have to get you still have to give them the money. <laughs> Especially when he's gonna kill me in two days anyway. <laughs> That's really yeah. That's really great. I have to um, I, I I just have to read uh, the last lines of the the Wikipedia synopsis of this movie. Okay. So these are two sentences. In the and this is a lengthy a lengthy plot synopsis on Wikipedia. In the end, Cole is punched in the stomach, arrested and jailed. His dog is raped by a skunk. Pops gets his operation, and Mitch gets the girl. Period. Dr. Farthing overcomes his gambling habit, but his bookies beat him to death anyway. And that's the end of the synopsis on Wikipedia. And that's also, by the way, not far off from Norm MacDonald's concluding narration. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, his, he, he literally is just like, oh yeah, and he paid off his gambling debts, but they killed him anyway. So he's dead. Um, <laughs> and also, too, um, I had forgotten about this, but like, Prior to him doing like the far, the Doctor Farthing's dead thing, it's like because like it's sort of like this you know like this riding off into the sunset shot of Mitch and Kathy driving off together. And he's like, so it all worked out. Sam and, like like Pop's got a new heart. Sam and I like Sam and I got great new jobs, and I got the girl. Or and it's like great new jobs. Clearly, your revenge for hire business is going okay. Like you got publicity. And like the revenge jobs you've taken have all been against like crooks or bullies or gangsters. Like they're like they're never punching down. They're getting revenge on bad people and bullies. Like right. like their moral compass and 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 like and their PR are very strong. So what do you mean they got great new jobs? Doing what? Where? This movie has gone out of its way to establish that you guys are shitty at anything else. That isn't you know putting popcorn oil into, <laughs> into, into tractors and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Why do you have new jobs? <laughs> it's a very touching and emotionally moving ending. Um, I think we'll all agree. Uh, norms, nor there's a great, my week of flops, uh, or, or like yes. my year of flops, Nathan Rabin column about, uh, about this movie. I will give, yeah, we got to give Nathan Rabin credit. Um, I know you and I, Wilson have occasionally like, been kind of a hot and cold on that guy in recent years, but yeah. column was and is, you know, a good, good reading. And to give him credit, he, you know, was seeing the praises of dirty work, you know, what, like 10, 15 years ago. So good on you, Nathan. And that is a very good, like, article he writes about the movie. He kind of gets why it's special. The, the, the title of his article is Norm MacDonald's film career died for your sins, <laughs> which, which is great right out the gate. But he has a great, 
there's just a really he has a great line about uh norm mcdonald's acting being like bit like between like it's just like he just he just like does not care about commit like oh his he's like it's something about like yeah how his commitment begins and ends with having his character not be named norm being named norm mcdonald <laughs> <laughs> like that's as far as he goes as far as illusion or audience identification um so yeah dirty work terrific film it's recognized as such in its time apparently norm mcdonald like sort of obliquely alluded to a sequel uh back in 2018 he did but i don't know like how serious that was if he was just kind of just talking off the cuff on a podcast i was like oh yeah you know, who knows because it's been like yeah. a I, I totally could have been. I could totally see a, a situation where it was like a direct to video, like a bulletproof two, or like jar. Like I don't know, like someone doing like or like American all the American Pie sequels, doing like Dirty Work two without Norm. Like I, I could guess, yeah. Title like it's. I'm sure it's hit a certain amount of 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 like watches, basically. Mm -hmm. as far, like their metrics are concerned, who knows. Um, I mean, what, it's not going to be like Dumb and Dumber 2 or whatever. It's not going right, to be like, right. like, like the long-awaited, like, triumphant return. Unless they, like, it could have been like a Crackle exclusive, like Joe Dirt 2. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, I mean, you know, like, it's, if, like, I guess, like, if it, if it got enough traction, like, the Happy Madison banner probably could have taken it to where it needed to go, like, production-wise. But I don't know. I mean... This movie, as it exists in its eighty-minute form, is pretty damn perfect. Um, so, yeah, yeah um, I agree. It's a, I think it's, it's a it's a great movie. It's a great, you know, he he can he did himself proud, even though he didn't, you know, know he didn't realize it. He was he was. A, I mean, it seemed like he was bummed because it was supposed to be R, and like that's you know, it sucks. Yeah, and that is certainly a tantalizing what if scenario. Um, like, I'm sure some of the jokes that land great. Maybe could have landed even like more hard or bizarre or dark if Norm got to do what he wanted to do. Having said that, this movie's pretty, pretty wild and absurd and sometimes dark for like an eighty-minute PG thirteen summer studio comedy. So you know, certainly no one like no one involved with this thing should feel. I like I hope like no like 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 no one feels bummed out because they like they made one that has and will continue to be loved by many people um very very much so um and, like one more quick note about that like final shot of Mitch and Kathy riding off into the sunset um Kathy is actually driving the car which I always thought was kind of like a nice touch just to kind of like do like a quick little like set like subtle subtle quotation marks like button on just like how lazy mitch is and how lazy norm is so like even in like the heroic shot of like i got the girl that's it bye he can't even be bothered to be driving the car <laughs> <laughs> someone mentioned in an interview that i was listening to today that like apparently he didn't like norm didn't like have a driver's license or something like he didn't drive in real life like, <laughs> so maybe he just was like that he and um, kathy don't even kiss it's a strange. It's a strangely. Yeah, it's a strange, that's that's so funny. I hadn't even thought about that. You're right. This is yeah. This it's weirdly seems like a weirdly personal movie for the guy. Um, so yeah, it's a uh, it's a it's a delightful uh, delightful film and is a legitimate cult classic. It bombed obviously, uh, but you know it is it has its fans today. It's had it has its audience. That really cannot be said for his next movie, which is screwed yeah. by Scott Alexander and Larry Karaszewski. Yeah. So, and also just like, just like, like quick context, like table setting. So we're talking about like the late nineties here. So we're talking 
post Norm getting fired from SNL through like I don't know 2002. That's probably like the peak of his career in terms of visibility, I suppose. Because I guess that 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 SNL firing kind of gave him some clout because he was like he was invited back to host not even a year later, which of course he skewered them for during his monologue, which kind of became a famous you know YouTube thing as well. Basically being like, so I wasn't good enough like to be fired, but I was funny enough to be invited back or whatever. But anyway, so we have the firing from SNL, Dirty Work, Screwed, and his ABC sitcom, which lasted for three to four seasons. So, Which is great. Like, if you can watch it in any way, I think some of it's on YouTube. Watch so, it. yeah, so uh, uh, however many years back, the good people at Shout Factory put out like the complete series of Norm. I very for like I very fortunately um, uh, bought a copy at the time, which I don't know. Let's say I paid probably twenty to thirty bucks for it. Now I'm I believe it's rather woefully out of print and is selling for more than twenty or thirty dollars. Having said that, if you can find a used copy, I hope you like go for it. Also, yeah, check out YouTube or Daily Motion. You can find the episodes. I don't want to oversell it. It's a late '90s ABC sitcom, um, but it's like it's him. It's Laurie Metcalf. It's Artie Lang. It's um, Ian Go Ian Gomez. Like it's a pretty solid cast. Um, I think it shared some writers and producers with the Drew Carey show, so there's some kind of like humor overlap too for fans of that sitcom. Um, I really like it. I know Wilson and I both like it. Kind of became like a Vulcan video comfort watch staple for us. Uh, so my my take on like I don't know like I, I don't mean I also don't want to like oversell it but and I also don't want to sound just like just like a like a raving fanboy here but like it it really is the case that like you know as far as like it is your typical '90s late '90s sitcom but the fact that Norm Macdonald is in the middle of it all and the mm -hmm. fact that his persona his kind of like again his just like not really can barely be bothered to like pretend to like be a part of this illusion that is a TV show. Like, I don't know, like him just like his like low, low, like not again, not really contempt, but just sort of just like, eh, like, yeah, whatever, like low effort. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would like, like at its best, I would describe his sitcom as a slightly watered down dirty work, but like in the best way. And again, like, like, like the fact that he's there kind of getting support to and from like the likes of Lori Metcalf and Ian Gomez and Jack Warden for a while too shows up as Gomez's dad who is gay and is secretly pining for Norm. Like it's funny, it's funny stuff. Uh, well worth checking out. Um, but yeah, sorry to go off track there, but yes, but like, but like this, like this pocket of time is kind of like peak Norm in, in terms of popularity. He's also got, um, I mean, this is not not really visibility, but uh, he's a prominent voice uh, in Dr. Doolittle, which is a huge... Oh, that's right. Um, he is, remind he's me... He's the dog. He's the, he's he's the dog, the, that's right, yeah. So, that, the like... the first animal that he talks to, I think. So, it's like, they're, like, sort of, like, <laughs> I think it's, like, I think it's a pretty major co-starring role. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, I forgot about that. So, yeah, so, like, you know, so, like, Norm has taken the country kind of, you know... Uh, you know, with shrugged shoulders and a smirk by storm during this time. Um, so yes, screwed, um, which I remember watching at like a sleepover <laughs> in middle school <laughs> 20 years ago. And 
and you know when when you're watching a movie like Screwed with like a bunch of their twelve like twelve year old boys, we are all laughing a lot. But you know, I only saw it the one time. I was way more into dirty work. I just kind of like like Screwed just sort of fell by the wayside, and it doesn't have really much of a of a of a, of a reputation. Like it's totally forgotten, and the people who remember it don't remember it well. Um, but there were two jokes I remembered all these years later, and one was Danny DeVito running into the um, into the uh, bed, like the like like the bed that folds into the wall, one of those. Like there's like a side gag where like he runs in the bed and then like he like you know like flies into the wall. There's that, and then there's the sort of like the very beautifully long setup for a very crude joke of like, oh my dad always said that if you work for Miss Croc, you'll get ahead. And then later on, she was like, no, he said, you'll get head, <laughs> which is a, a pretty good bit and one that sticks with you when you're 12 years old at a sleepover. Um, but so all these years later now, I rewatched Screwed last night. Yeah. Um, I would say it holds up better than its reputation. Um, I would also say that the just the the kind of bizarre fact of its existence, this, you know, like this this universal studios um you know comedy starring norm dave pichelle D sorry dave chappelle um danny devito elaine stritch and like a young sarah silverman in a movie written and directed by the guys who did like ed wood the people versus larry flint which norm is in briefly which by norm's in, and um, also made of the moon also the guys who wrote the oj show like yep. uh, story, so so uh, <laughs> all this like all this stuff is connected. So like the fact that those guys like wrote and directed like this this kind of like this crude comedy like it's it's sort of a weird like it's it's a movie that's more interesting probably to like read about or or or, or, or like probably like if like there's like a good oral history to be written about this movie that 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 is probably a more interesting use of 15 minutes as opposed to the 80 minutes that is watching this. It's it's good. It's solid, but it's it's no dirty work. It's certainly far from like the zero star bomb ratings that like you know Leonard Maltin and the likes gave it like at the time. Um, like it was, a, it was a it was a pretty shit upon comedy, as it's I recall. Legitimately, like it is. I, I so I had never seen this movie until uh, like watching it for the. Yeah, I, I I was aware of it, but I had not seen it, and looking at it, it's like Rotten Tomatoes has it at a thirteen percent. Uh, like average 3.5 out of 10. Um, Metacritic has it at a seven out of 100. <laughs> and it's like, look, like I, I don't think I don't think I would go so far as to call it good, but it's not. It's certainly not seven on Metacritic bad, but like no, um, no it's I don't know, it's it's fine. It's there's something. It is a bummer. Like way way more actually way more than Dirty Work. Screwed feels like. Okay, like something's missing here. Like, why, like, why, why is this not better? Because it should be an all timer with this cast, right? So, like, dirty work. Even though apparently that was somewhat of a compromised, we had to soften this up version. Dirty work still feels like a complete voice. It still feels like they got away with something. Screwed feels like a movie that got noted to death. Yeah, or like, or or like, or like, definitely had notes and cuts uh, like going on there um there are some very funny stray bits also by the way like in the context of like norm as an actor he's kind of he's actually giving 
something of a performance in this movie. Like it's well, like it's a much different version of Norm. Like he's kind of like he's very like kind of like uh, he's like extra like comically neurotic and fussy in this movie. Um, there are some very funny bits like about halfway through when like their big sort of crime caper plans falling apart and he's just like kind of panicking. His voice gets very high. Chappelle's like kind of slapping him around to like straighten him up. Like he's sort of doing more of a, of a character here as opposed to like Mitch and dirty work where it's just like, yeah, sure. I'll give you a couple of takes <laughs> kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, this, this seemed to have basically, I've never seen screwed. It's a, a blind spot in my history. But it seems to have kind of the same release where it's coming out in like summer of 2000, uh, the same weekend as Battlefield Earth. Oh, boy. Uh, it came out and it was like eight at the box office that weekend. Yeah. Um, I was brushing up on <clears throat> some of the uh, letterbox blurbs for Screwed earlier today. And there were a few people who I think like us, like we're, you know, kind of like revisiting it or, or watching for the first time in the wake of Norm's passing. And I saw one little blurb review that I think this like gave some helpful context that I honestly would have overlooked just like watching it um, last night. But it's like, so remember, Screwed is coming out in like, what, 99? Is that right, Wilson? Like 99 or 2000? 2000. 2000, yeah. So, so this is in like the wake of like that post nineties, post Pulp Fiction and Fargo kind of like, uh, like wave of like Tarantino and Coen Brother knockoffs of like, sort of like extra dark and violent sort of screwball comedies. And once you can kind of see that that's what Screwed is going for, especially there's a bit where, so like Norm and Dave Chappelle are going to kidnapped the little dog that belongs to the very rich, mean Elaine Stritch character, who's basically playing an early version of um, Jack Donaghy's mom from 30 Rock. She's, yeah. she's pretty, um, So they're going to try to kidnap the dog and hold it for ransom. And the dog is defending itself and getting yippy and yappy and like basically bites off Norm's like finger. And it's very loud. Norm is screaming. It's very bloody. And it like it's like, oh yeah, this, like that feels like a movie that's trying to go for that kind of thing. Um, the, the shocking sort of black, like, 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 like pitch black comic, um, you know, uh, shock violence mixed with, uh, you know, like bizarre laughter that I guess was thought of being kind of like in the pocket for Tarantino and, 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 and the Coens at, at the time. So, in that sense, I think screwed made a little bit more sense. Um, Having said that, it's I don't know, like it's 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 better than it's than like you know than it's Metacritics and Rotten Tomatoes would have you believe, but it's also I can't I can't honestly make the case for it as being kind of like this like this overlooked gem. Um, it's interesting because like it's Norm and you know it's Norm and Dave and Elaine Stritch and Sarah Silverman who sadly doesn't get much to do, but it's still cool to see her there. Um, so it's interesting. The the fact of it is interesting and kind of bizarre and fascinating, but it's okay. Yeah. It's 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 not I don't know. It it just really feels like it's like something something is like something should be there that's not there. Like, yeah. I will say though, like DeVito's going for it. Like DeVito's yep. doing some weird and gross and like really committing to it. 
Um, maybe even more so than like the rest of the movie deserves, but you know, good on him. He's never asleep at the wheel. And, and that's literally, that's Norm, that's Norm's final like starring role. In a yeah. Film. It like, didn't last long, but there were, there was two years there when he did it. Um, he also had another short lived sitcom called a minute with Stan Hooper. Wow. Um, this aired on Fox. Um, one second. Yes, it aired on Fox. This was <clears throat> uh, 2003. Yeah, I'm and, at um, thirteen wow. episodes. The thirteen episodes were produced. Only six aired. As far as I know, there wasn't even like the benefit of like a shout factory putting out the complete set. Like you can probably find, I'm sure, these episodes yeah. YouTube. This was just kind of like a, a quickly come and gone show um, i believe it does have its fans um and as i understand it norm was playing sort of like a um like a like a sports center type of sports broadcaster and i guess it's sort of like a, a sports workplace kind of comedy um which also you know seems like it's in his wheelhouse i've always been aware of it um, as as like you know one of the you know like one of these several you know little asterisk on his career but i have not seen it yet that's something that i want to catch up with um sometime in the near future um but as far as uh movies and sitcoms go those are the big starring vehicles um obviously you know he did plenty of you know he made plenty of appearances over the years as we said um in various sandler vehicles um um there is like like he is like actually something of a character in jack and jill like it's more than yeah. just um and it's very funny. Um, there's like that bit where he, like, he's gonna like ditch her while he, while, while, while she goes to the bathroom, uh-huh. and she, and then like he's playing it off, like, no, I wasn't gonna ditch you. Like, like it's, it's, it's a very funny bit. <clears throat> um, he's you know had a few stand up specials over the years uh, that are all great. Um, Obviously, yeah, he, go on YouTube right now and just type in Co- like uh, Norm Conan, Norm Letterman. Yeah, he's uh, an all-timer, you know. Yeah, an all-timer late-night guest. Um, um, he had a podcast of his own for a while. Yeah, it was a video podcast. The Norm, That's right. Yeah, uh, the Norm McDonald Show was that what it was called like. I mean, was it? I, th- I think it was just like something like that. Simple. Yeah. And of that I've really only seen like just bits and pe- like 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 clips here and there. Um, like 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 for example, he, on his show, telling him the story about Tommy Lee Jones and can't sanction your buff- your buffoonery and all that. Um, I mean, yeah. there's 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 probably literally like there's literally hundreds of hours of of stuff out there of like like and like not just like kind of like the big obvious he did like he did this movie or he did this show, but like. Just little one-off things. Um, there's there's something I would need to look up again to get like the exact um, like broadcasting channel in events, but it was some like MTV maybe. Um, if not MTV, then like some kind of like kind of like more like cool youth-oriented uh, sort of uh, so, so, so sort of broadcasting outlet that like hired Norm to be like the the like the host like interviewer of 
of all the different celebrity guests and like award nominees like throughout this event. So it's like Hot Rod era Andy Samberg and the Lonely Island Boys are there, and Norma's just asking him like this like the most like inane sort of bullshit question and you can tell like they're into it because they know who norm is and like they're having fun but they're also sort of like please don't like ruin our careers by asking us something fucking totally <laughs> like totally in blue um uh yeah there's there's so much to dive in with with all, all with all the stuff and there's i don't know there's no there's no wrong place to start um and um one one thing that like genuinely like kind of like touched me, um, you know, like uh, in this in this previous week with you know all the outpouring of grief of fans on the internet and people just like sharing their favorite norm bits, but like people would talk about, you know, just sitting down to YouTube and watching a bunch of his Conan appearances, say, but like not just like oh yeah, like I always loved watching him on Conan, but like oh no, like when like whenever I have insomnia. Whenever I've had like low periods and I was feeling stressed and or depressed about work or relationships, and like you know, I'd be up at two in the morning just feeling just lousy. I would just watch like an hour of Norm, like just like, and I would watch just like Norm on Conan, and just you could just go the rabbit hole of bizarre delight, and it will never disappoint. Yeah, that was definitely uh, the day that we found out he died. That was definitely me, where it was just like. I was already like kind of stressed and I was like, okay, I'm just going to like dive into this on Twitter. Everyone was sharing their favorite clips and like a lot of people shared the same ones, like the moth or the ESPN thing. Right. You just kept going from one to another and just kind of yeah. be like, oh, I never saw that one. Oh, I never saw that one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of that today when, uh, and, and, and at the end of the day he died. Um, yeah. I saw a lot of great stuff that I'd not, I'd not seen before. And yeah. Yeah. And I also, and uh, I cannot recommend highly enough. He wrote a memoir. Uh, he, he wrote a memoir that came out in, I believe, 2018. Um, it's called one second. It's called based. Sorry, it's like based on a true story, I think. Right. Uh, based on a true story, not a memoir. <laughs> uh, and so it's a uh, it's his nonfiction, quote unquote, uh, book, and it is absolutely. I okay. Don't don't. You should read it. But what you should do more than that is. Get it, get an Audible subscription. I don't care if you have to do like a free trial, like just, just find a way. Get the audiobook of Based on a True Story by Norm MacDonald. He reads it and it is, I, I'm going to, I'm going to start it all over again. I listened to it a few years ago, but I, I might like make that a regular thing because not only is it absolutely hysterical, but like his voice, like, yeah, you're, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. Trust me. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's really, it's very funny because as you might expect, he's, it, yeah, it's not a memoir, which I guess he's up front with, but he's also like, it's like, he's just telling like a bunch of tall tales about himself. And then some of them seem to be true to varying degrees. I don't mean tall tales, like supernatural or anything. I just mean like, he's like the stuff he's talking about. You're like, it's so poker faced. You're like, how, how, okay, like that's probably not right, but is it like I, don't, like I don't know? It's just like the way he's like playing with like, like again, there's just the poker face. Like, okay, am I? What parts am I joking about, and which parts am I not joking about? It's like, oh, you, you you're good, you, <laughs> you <Yeah>. dirty dog. <laughs> it, it's absolutely uh, worth tracking down, worth watching, uh, worth listening to. Mm -hmm. Did you talk? Did you talk about the this movie? 
He does. Uh, and it's very like, I, I, I don't remember exactly what he says. He does have a very funny like response to just like nobody coming to see it. <laughs> like, no, 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 actually, no. I think that he says at one point he says like, I mean, he's a kid. He's like, obviously lying. He's like, yeah. And it broke every box office record. Um, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's tremendous. I I'm going to redownload that tonight. I actually might rewatch every work tonight to be perfectly honest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's a it's a fucking delight. Yeah, you you uh, you can't go wrong. I think uh, after this, I'm gonna uh, uh, revisit some talk show stuff. Um, one like kind of like I think like notable appearance to um, obviously like he had a special rela- relationship with Conan. He also had a special relationship with Letterman. Uh, check out his final stand up set on I think Letterman's like final show. Oh, okay. Um, That's right. And he does some comedy, and it's great. And then he gives a little tribute to Dave, and it'll put a lump in your throat. Um, uh, uh, you know, for all of the talk that we can do about his bizarre humor, his cutting humor, his dark humor mixed in with that sort of Canadian wholesomeness, um, he, he, you know, he could also, when he wanted to, just be a you know, a sweet, kind, sincere person, um, especially I think maybe in the last 10, 15 years of his life. Um, I'm not going to armchair psychoanalyze, but if he knew he was sick, maybe that, you know, gave him a perspective to, you know, be like to like, you know, turn off the smarm and, and turn on the, you know, like the love in those moments. In any case, it doesn't matter. Um, moments like that will also kind of catch me off guard too um, whenever I'm watching stuff of his on YouTube. Um, so I'm laughing a whole bunch and every now and again, I'm getting a little choked up too. Uh, but yeah, he was just um, an almost indescribably unique voice. Um, and, you know, I've been, if the, if the first thing I saw him in would have been Billy Madison. So I first what saw that in 1996, 97. So for what 25 years i've been watching this guy um and if we kind of can like mark dirty work as like the first big moment when like his unfiltered voice is like getting into my brain and dna then like he like 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 he like he has been in my like my comedy compass and how i perceive humor and how and like and like how and what i think things are funny he is very much in there, like bone marrow deep, and has been, and, and that has been the case for a very long time, and will and will continue to be the case. So, yeah, um, pretty devastated, uh, you know, at the news of his passing. Um, but you know, I hope he was comfortable and you know, and surrounded by people he who you know he cared about, and his uh, legacy most certainly is not in question at all. I think it's only going to grow and expand. Yeah, that's right. And Sandler mentioned too that he, I mean, this is not something like, I mean, he obviously, I don't think he talked about it a lot, but like he had a son, like Sandler said in his tweet that like Norm was a great dad. Um, hmm. Like he's like, yeah, he, I don't know. He's, he always just struck me as like, he, he was, he was too good for us. Like that, like <laughs> we didn't, we didn't deserve Norm McDonald, like truly like to be alive, like with him around. It's like, I mean, it's a cliche about like not knowing what, like, but I, but like we did, like we were all fans. Like some of us, some of us were aware, like, oh yeah, like this guy is a gift. Yeah, um, this and, guy's and special. Everything, and everything he does, up to and including like, I mean, that Netflix, the Netflix talk show that 
was was so derided by so many people. I watched it and I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> it makes me laugh so hard. Yeah, um, you know what? I, yeah, I need to uh, take a look at that because I've only seen bits and clips here. I remember you telling me about the Drew Barrymore episode. Um, the Letterman episode is great. The, I mean, they're all great. The the, yeah. um, the in my Shyamalan episode is really funny. <laughs> So like again, there you go. Norm was you know like like Norm was partying with that guy, like before it was cool to like him again. Like 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 ahead of the game. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, yeah. So any any more any more thoughts on on our boy Norm on Dirty yeah. Work on on Screwed you know, and Doctor Doolittle? I mean, you know, like as we continue ahead with with you know like this sort of second stage of our of our show. Um, you know, if there's ever a, 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 a point where maybe, let's say, I dive into his his uh, you know his, his his book, or 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 maybe one of us can check out some episodes of like a minute with Stan Hooper. Um, let's you know maybe like make a yeah. point. We have a little quick Norm Corner uh, where we talk about a new you know pe like like piece of work, or maybe just like like a stray YouTube clip that we recently watched and saw and, and you know and liked and and want to talk about because. Uh, you know, there's like you know, like we've said many times, there's, uh, you know, you know, hundreds and hundreds of of hours of stuff out there that we can peruse through. That's not just you know watching dirty work for the twentieth time. No, nothing wrong with that, of course. Uh, but yeah, most certainly we will continue. We will continue to be talking about him, you know, um, in the days ahead, and we'll be continuing to, you know laughing hysterically at his stuff so that conversation doesn't need to end anytime soon i've enjoyed this tonight though this felt good yeah yeah it felt good to talk about norm to it's all you know we got to spread the love you know go out there you know pay it forward out there if you're if you're a fan of norm mcdonald uh you know share him with somebody and then tell mm -hmm. them to pay that forward you know show give him a copy of dirty work i will say right now dirty work is available on hbo max which is great um get the word out that way like it's readily available for people who have that streaming service which is you know a good chunk of people uh for the longest time i owned the movie on vhs and after that for you know several years i you know would just enjoy our copy at vulcan video um after that store closed i guess i didn't have a copy um so surprisingly uh so you know the day he passed i quickly went on ebay and got a dvd Good condition, three four bucks. Um, they're out there, uh, and and you know um, it's not something that's gonna probably become a hundred dollars all of a sudden. Uh, like at least it shouldn't. No one like no one should pr should price gouge for 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 Norm. Ex like except Norm, only like <laughs> only only he could do something like that. Um, well, when Shout Factory puts out dirty work, I'll, there I'll, you go. Arrow puts out like a three disc Blu-ray, <laughs> 4K restoration. I want like a, a post house in Hollywood to be working right now on a 4K restoration of dirty work. They could, they could put up one of those like Mondo design posters of, I don't know, the Chihuahua getting humped by the <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. That's uh <laughs> Oh man, yeah, it's just a close up of uh, like an anatomical drawing of uh, Chris Farley's nose. <laughs> oh well, Austin, any 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 thoughts? Any thought? Current thoughts on Norm Macdonald? I mean, yeah, my final thing is just kind of like, yeah, he was a like I I, I think I recall watching him on 
weekend update and seeing a little bit of that and then catching him especially on dirty work and just like re-watching that VHS tape over and over and over mm-hmm. again. So like this is probably as many times as I watched Billy Madison, I watched dirty work. Yes. Um, which Absolutely. I, I just think it's, it's one of the formative movies in my life. So. Oh, very much. I, I do uh, really appreciate everything he did. And, you know, because he's so prolific in all of his like TV appearances, I kind of feel like there's almost like another like phase of his life that you can like kind of find at this point. So you can you can continue to probably find new gems here and there. For sure. Like so his video podcast, for example, like I said, aside from a few stray clips here and there, I never really just I just, you know, was kind of just checked out during that, like during those, I'm sorry to say. So I'm sure there's mountains of stuff there. I've been talking to different comedian friends, uh, you know, um, and, and so on and so forth. I'm sure there's some good stuff there. Like, you know, he was a fiercely intelligent guy as well as being just like a ridiculous, you know, clown um, and just, you know, and just incorrigible ass. So <laughs> there's <laughs> like, well, and also, sorry, once no small feat, he was great at Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> he was great on Twitter um, and was so good at just like messing with people's minds. Like, so like, again, like, you know, he'd be tweeting golf, you know, like golf updates or occasionally like, you know, talking about scripture. And because it's more people like, is he doing a bit? Like, is he like a crazy Christian now? Talking like about how the enlightenment like ushered in a new wave of spiritual darkness, or whatever. And everyone's just like, Oh, Norm's a reactionary. And I'm like, this is incredible. <laughs> What's he doing? Who knows? Yeah, his his Norm Macdonald live just has so many people. That would be a great episode to listen to or watch, however you digest it, uh, including an Adam Sandler standalone. Um, and it, it seems like he also does a lot of work with like Tom Green too, which is like that Canadian connection. Which I, I'm I'm a fan of Tom Green. Oh yeah, Freddie got, got fingered forever. Yeah, Freddie Upfinger, um, boy. I mean, it's too bad that he never showed up in the Sandler orbit because if we ever did an episode on that, that's a. Anyways. <laughs> but we, you know, it's funny because, like, you watch Freddie Got Fingered and it's like, yo, clearly they, like, they, wow, they, they, they got away with something and you, and, and you have that, that similar feeling with something like Dirty Work. So, that, like, that is cool to know that they were, you know, like you know professionally and personally friendly as well that kind of checks out now that i think about it oh, well here's to you norm yeah we miss you buddy and thank you for all the laughs and we will continue to enjoy them in you know the years to come we'll continue to spam hbo max with uh <laughs> with you know make it make it look like everyone's trying to watch dirty work uh, you know at the same time and crash all the servers uh, yeah what it, it, that's you know an, like an act of sabotage that he would appreciate. <laughs> um, all right, well, so thank you so much for listening to this very special and sad, bittersweet episode of Wistful. The, <laughs> it's very wistful uh, of the Billy Gilmore podcast. Uh, tune in next time. We've still got uh, the conclusion of our the final uh, wrap up episode for our Adam Sandler. Uh, main series and don't go anywhere because we've got a lot of announcements coming up about our future schedule uh those will be coming up uh in not too long so stay tuned uh but again thank you so much for listening we sure do appreciate it tell uh your loved ones about norm uh, 
As always, I am Wilson Smith. This is Chris Giles. And Austin Cole.